0: Happy Friday friends. Did you do something different with your hair? Doesn't matter, you're looking great. I hope every box on that long to-do list that you had on Monday morning is ticked. I hope you're ready for the weekend, you've got mojitos on your mind or some form of alcohol-free alternative. It doesn't matter. This is a podcast for everybody and friends, it's going to be a good one. Welcome to the Lincolnite podcast with myself, Ronnie Byrne. I've got another sterling lineup for you today. Let's get into it. I'm going to be talking to Lincolnshire's own Henry Camomile, lead singer of Seagulls, discussing their European tour, how they're feeling about supporting the Arctic Monkeys in Zurich this summer, headlining Alexandra Palace, and of course, their brand new album coming out on March 25th. Also on today's show, the Tuesday just gone was International Women's Day, so I'm going to be talking to Emily Norton and Leanne Crawford, the Lincolnite's two associate editors. They're going to be discussing what being women in journalism means to them, the challenges that they've faced in their careers, and what workplaces in all industries can do to combat gender disparity and further promote representation. However, first and foremost, at the top of today's bill, we're going to be talking to children's author Lydia Sanders. Now, Lydia has written a series of books about inspiring and influential women through history named Hysterical Her Stories. Do you get it? History, her story, her story, her story. Marvellous, marvellous work. Lydia was also one of the Lincolnite's 30 Under 30 spotlights for 2021. Pretty big achievement, if we do say so ourselves. As I say, International Women's Day was this past Tuesday, and the month of March is Women's History Month. So who could possibly be a better guest than a woman who writes about women in history? It's almost like we planned it. We did. Lydia is hot off touring schools across the nation in the build-up to World Book Day. Let's not waste any more time, friends. Lego. Lydia Sanders, how are we doing?
1: I'm very well, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm very well myself, very well myself. So you've been going across schools across the country this week, obviously World Book Day. How's it been?
1: Um, Yeah, I absolutely love going into schools. Um, I usually get in touch with them first just because I'm a relentless emailer. But um, I've been very lucky that lots of schools have said, yeah, please come in, do workshops, blah, blah, blah. And I love talking to the kids and... I get to hear all of their cool ideas for stories, and yeah, I don't think I've ever had, um, you know, two schools where a child has had the same idea um, for a story or for a poem or anything. So it's just, it's really cool. Yeah, I love, I love meeting all of them in person and getting to speak to them.
0: What kind of ages are you dealing with? Is it like year three to year six, or is it older? Or?
1: Um, so I've done. Year two all the way up to year 11, to be honest. Um, I think talking to the older kids is more nerve-wracking just because they tend to listen and they're a bit more vocal maybe. Um, But yeah, I love it. I think the workshops tend to work best with sort of years four to about nine. Um, But I cater the workshops so that everybody can get involved because I don't want anybody to feel excluded. So yeah, every
0: group. Well, it's an interesting thing that you mentioned exclusion. So, hysterical her stories, how did did that come to be?
1: Um, So, I graduated from Durham University in 2020. um, And like a lot of people, didn't have much else to do, uh, you know, during lockdown, we all remember that time. Um, And I'd always wanted to be a children's author. So I just decided it was now or never. You know, I had a lot of time on my hands Um, and I am a feminist. I think we should all be feminists, but, you know, I'm a feminist and I wanted to write uh, children's stories which were educational as well as fun. Um, And when I was in school, we never used to learn about we learned about the fantastic men from history, you know, people like Henry VIII. Um, Martin Luther King, Shakespeare, the Roman emperors—all these absolutely fab people who made huge contributions to the way that we live—and yet I never learned about people who looked like me, who I could, who I felt like I could aspire to. Um, so yeah, I just decided it was time to write their stories down instead.
0: So you basically felt like there was almost like a gap in the curriculum when it came to learning about inspirational women through history.
1: Yeah, definitely. I've had um, a few kids come up to me and say they have heard of Rosa Parks, they've learned a little bit about her, they've maybe heard of Boudica and Marie Curie from a few other books that might be out there. Um, but in the main, yeah, it's still like only one or two women when actually in the UK, women make up 51, 52% of the population. So it's not even like it's a minority group sort of thing. Uh, yeah.
0: And obviously you say they're all different ages and everyone that reads any book is going to get a different experience but what's the energy that you want anyone that reads one of your books to get from it if that makes sense what what do you want them to leave the book feeling
1: I really want them I always tell them to stay extraordinary and I write that in all of my books um, for, for, for children who buy them because I think extraordinary is within everybody and it's partly the reason I chose the women I did as well, because um, the tagline is ordinary women who led extraordinary lives. So I want children to read the books and feel extraordinary, feel like it could be them as well, because even no matter where you come from and, and who you are sort of thing, you have that power within you as long as you work hard and you have the real passion for the subject. So I want them to feel empowered. And I love it when, Uh, teachers come up to me it's a real honor for me and they say oh yeah when you were talking I saw all those children like sit up straighter in their seats sort of thing and that really it makes me um it makes me happy and also a bit emotional just because these are kids that I've never met before and to be able to do that is is just a really nice thing for them to feel like like they could do it.
0: So one thing I did want to ask as well, obviously, we follow you on Instagram, we see everything that you've been up to, that's how we knew about the, uh, the World Book Day thing, and the tour and whatnot, you know, and I wanted to know how it feels when you see these really young girls dressed up as the people that you've written about holding one of your books, that must be a surreal thing.
1: Yeah, completely. I was saying that to my mum. I was like, I was showing her all these photos that, you know, parents have sent me and grown-ups have sent me. And I'm like, oh my God, can you believe that? That's actually a book that I have written. And the kids not only have read it, but like it enough to choose it as their favorite book to dress up on. Yeah, it's, it's totally surreal. And I, I feel just completely honored to have them to have them do that. I mean, Boudicca's always a good one though. So, you know.
0: Boudicca's classic, absolutely classic. <laughs> so five books so far, five incredible women. What's the process like for choosing which women in history you're going to write about?
1: Oh, that's such a hard question. Um, I've actually written about 30 of them, but because I do the whole project myself, I don't have the space in my house to store all the books. (laughs) Um, But I wanted to choose women who were across uh, different time periods, who had different careers, um, different outlooks on life, because the whole point of um, writing these women into the history books was to show women who were contributors to history and not necessarily as heroes because I feel like a lot of the time when you write about women or when you look up to women they have to be role models and they have to be all good all the time and actually that's not the case like I was saying about Henry VIII before I'm not sure you'd call him you know he might be the baddie of history for all we know but um and yet we still learn about him because of the impact that he had on the world and I think that's why I chose the five women that I did because like I said before, they were totally ordinary and no one person is wholly good or wholly bad. Um, and I always use Chanel as an example because I, I probably wouldn't have liked to be friends there. I don't think she was that great a person, um, but she, she had to do it because of the situation that she was in. She had to not be very nice. Um, so yeah, I wanted to choose women who were totally normal, totally ordinary. And it was because of their contribution to the world that that I wanted to write about them.
0: Yeah, I was going to bring up Coco Chanel because it kind of, it's not that it didn't fit with the other women, but it kind of made sense from a, has had an impact on history standpoint. You know, obviously Boudicca and Coco Chanel, worlds apart, worlds <laughs> apart. But like you say, it's about the impact that they've had in time.
1: It is, yeah. Um, and lots of people, I think, with Chanel, they're, they The kids grown-ups either want to buy it because they like fashion and they like, um, you know, clothes and drawing and that kind of thing, or they know about the uh, Nazi associations that she had um, and they just want to stay completely clear of it. But, you know, we learn about Hitler in history and I'm not saying you know, that he was a, a total goodie either, obviously. Um, but like-
0: I'm glad we've got that recorded, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, got that down. Um, but yeah, she just, she needs to be um, taught because she had such a great impact on the way that we live our lives, not just as women, but men as well, because she has uh, menswear and stuff like that. Obviously not her, the brand. Um, and it's just so important to me that she changed so many lives in something as simple as how people get up and get dressed in the morning and how you can feel. Um, and she she did that, I'd say almost single-handedly. I mean, she's still the biggest name probably in fashion today and she was totally, totally on her own. Um, so yeah, you need to learn about the good the good and the bad, I guess.
0: It's true. So, so my m- One of my final questions for you was going to be, who's next? We've got these five books. I did not expect you to give me that I've got 25 <laughs> locked down answer, but who who is next, if you want to allude to it or just flat out say it, have you got one planned?
1: Um, I've had a lot of recommendations. Lots of those recommendations have been for Mary Anning, the paleontologist, um, but I would love to do um, Emmeline Pankhurst she's really popular as well and then another one who's slightly slightly less well-known is Lillian Bader um, I won't tell you who she is I won't spoil it for you <laughs> you can you can go away and research it but um, I'd love to do her as well yeah
0: so Lydia if someone wants to buy a hysterical her story where can they go to find it where can they go to find more on you where can they buy these incredible books
1: um, so you can visit the website, which is www.hysterical-herstories.com. Um, I'm also on social media as at Hysterical Her Stories or TikTok at AuthorLid. Um, and you can send me a message or, yeah, just just order one from the website. And I I get every order myself. There's nobody else who works in this uh, project. It's only me. So I will sign every single book. And, yeah, I hope... I hope everybody enjoys the books.
0: Lydia Sanders, it's been great. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Lydia Sanders there, friends. Great guest. Hysterical-Herstories.com at Hysterical Her Stories across social media. Be sure to grab yourself one of the books. They are tremendous. Next, in keeping with the International Women's Day theme, I also spoke to Emily Norton and Leanne Crawford this week. They are the Lincolnites' two associate editors, and they are also both women. I wanted to know more about their careers as women in journalism, any obstacles they've had to overcome, and just everything in between. So first, I spoke to Emily Norton. Emily, how are you doing today?
2: I'm very well, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm very well myself. Thank you, Emily. So jumping straight into it. According to Global Citizen, only 24% of the people in newspaper, TV and radio news worldwide are women. So how important is it for you to be a female associate editor of a local news organisation like The Lincolnite?
2: Well, 24% I just find so shocking. I I, I don't know about you, but I wasn't expecting it to be that low um, today um and thinking about that stat um it definitely reminds me of you know how privileged i am um to be a woman in a senior role in a newsroom um Alongside another, you know, a co-associate editor who also happens to be a woman as well. So, you know, like I say, really, I, I, I do feel privileged when, when you take into consideration, you know, how many women do struggle um, to to find their feet in, in in your senior roles in a newsroom. And I'm happy to say that um, as a team, we do have a good gender balance. Um, but yeah, there, there there has been progress. Um, it, I was quite reassured to read today actually that um, 42% of the UK's national daily and Sunday newspapers are now edited by women. Um, and that's up 21% from 2019. Um, but that you know that's not the case all over the world. Um, there's still a lot of progress to be made, um, and if you just look at regionals in the UK, um, only 28% of newspaper editors are women. Um, so you know that there, there, there is work to do, um, and women across the world still face huge barriers when it comes to um, working in their industry and in the media. Um, so yeah, it's it's so important, and it's important for the Lincolnite and for Lincolnshire readers um, because as journalists our job is to be the voice of our community um, and to represent our community well um, to be relevant to them we need to reflect the community as well so that also means diversity in the newsroom um, and that's just how our newsroom operates um, it's, it's diverse in opinions it's diverse in backgrounds um, and yeah like I say it's, it's a prism isn't it Yeah, we, we, we reflect the community that we work in and that we work for
0: yeah and speaking about community it's not always great which kind of leads me into our next question so a lot of people involved with the news be it reporters editors photographers even myself we we face a a fair bit of online trolling do you think people see you as an easier target for things like that literally because you're a woman
2: it's such a regrettable thing to have to face as part of um a media job um or any job that's predominantly in the public eye um I can't say that I've ever felt targeted because I'm a woman, Um, perhaps I'm lucky to say that. Um, I know that might not be the case for for all journalists, Um, but I have um, faced the ugly side of social media um, and no abuse towards any journalist or or anyone for that matter is justified um, online. it's, it's not nice. I don't know if people actually think about the person on the other side of the screen um, when, they, when they take part in online abuse. Um, but it's, it's, it's not nice. And, and you know, I I've, I've felt concerned about what abusers might be capable of. I think that's something that's always going to be perhaps in the back of your mind when you do read abuse is, you know, perhaps they're not serious perhaps they are you know and and, and I think as a woman there's always the thought in the back of your head of the possibility what someone what that person could be capable of Um, and I think women perhaps can feel more vulnerable um, with that thought in the back of of their mind so I think yeah that's that's definitely a thought.
0: Yeah and we've obviously seen horrible examples of that especially over the last few years that it would make sense why you would feel that way as a woman. Just just in general, just to close up, what more do you think needs to be done to, to combat gender disparity, for one, and representation, bringing that up in workplaces in general, even outside of the world that we live in, the journalistic world, if you will?
2: Well, I think in and outside of journalism, and it's not something that's, quite, that's often talked about, and I think it does need to be talked about more, um, the key issue for women remains uh, to be juggling work after becoming a parent. Um, I think it's something that still affects women more than their male counterparts, um, and some are met with inflexible working hours and uh, particularly in the media world might go freelance or or even drop out of their profession for a better work-life balance something that's more compatible with motherhood um, I've been really fortunate and received wonderful support from, uh, from the team and from um, managing editor here i'm not just saying that because i know he's going to be listening (laughs) um but uh you know i know i know that's that's not the case for everyone and that's that's a really sad thing but um i think also a lot of it comes down to the culture um studies have shown that large proportions feel that there's a macho and intimidating culture around newsrooms um, and that might be to blame i think a lot of that is changing um But, and luckily it's not something I've ever encountered. Um, But one answer is definitely for women in journalism and for in the media to raise each other up um, and support each other. There is so much talent out there and we we, we really can hold our own. And I think in that same vein, I really want to encourage more aspiring young journalists, male and female, but um, especially female, to share their talents. And we are an open newsroom. um, And I would always be happy to help those interested in the profession and who want to come forward and know. And, and ask us questions
0: Emily Norton thank you ever so much for your time today thank you some great points there we are an open newsroom I love that here for the community here for the culture absolutely tremendous so one female associate editor down one female associate editor to go friends Leanne Crawford Leanne Crawford thank you ever so much for joining me today
3: hi Ronnie
0: so you've worked in journalism for pretty much your entire life. Have there been times working within the industry that you felt that you were at a disadvantage because you're a woman? Uh,
3: thankfully, um, I don't think there have been too many incidents that spring to mind, at least. Um, although I know that's not the case for everyone. Uh, one of the times that does spring to mind um, is when I was on my first maternity leave about eight years ago. And. Um, Not when I was working at the Lincolnite. um, (laughs) (laughs) And I actually missed it for a promotion because it was all sorted out while I was dealing with nappies and baby and that sort of thing. Um, And yeah, I only found out about it when I went back to work. And I remember feeling really upset and frustrated and disappointed and worried that, Sort of now that I was a mum, it meant that I what it, it was going to sort of affect my career, and I wasn't going to I was going to miss out on this sort of thing on a regular basis. Um, in the end, I think it spurred me on to sort of make sure that didn't happen. Um, but yeah, it's it 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 wasn't a nice feeling at the time. Um, more recently. Um, I was taking a message for a colleague and the person on the phone said um the subject matter would be too complex for me to understand and I I pressed the guy saying you know try me I'm sure I'm aware of it um but in the end he said no it's too complex I'll speak to the reporter um who who is male of course and um Anyway, in the end, it turns out um, the message really wasn't that complex. Um, I was fully aware of the story. I can't remember what it was, but um, I could have easily got my head around it. But, um, but yeah, it was too complex for me to get, apparently.
0: And and that was literally a case in, in that particular circumstance. That was literally a case of, yeah, I don't know, let's, let's leave this one to the men, yeah? That was how that felt.
3: Yeah, I don't know if that was... I mean, I'm reading into it. It may not have been, but it felt like one of those occasions where it it could have been, somebody mm. said, or it's too complex for you for you to get. Um, your small female brain can't, you know, can't understand <laughs> this, this complex subject matter. Well, this is something else
0: that I wanted to ask you. It's a very similar question to a question I asked Emily. Do, do you feel like it's easier because you're a woman for some people in particular to be like, okay, well, the the boys will deal with this, don't you worry, you know, as opposed to treating you like a human being? Um,
3: Most of the time, I don't think that is an issue. Mm. Um, But certainly sometimes um, it's being a traditionally, if we go back far enough, male-dominated industry. And um, certainly um, some people unfortunately still do hold those views um but i I have to say though all in all it's it's not really um a huge issue these days
0: yeah for sure and you say it's a male or has predominantly been a male-dominated industry do you feel that through the span of your own career that women have become more prominent and more represented within journalism
3: I really do, actually. Um, I don't think the situation was terrible when I first started out in
0: 2007.
3: Nice, nice. (laughs) Um, I had lots of female colleagues then who a lot of them have gone on to do really amazing things. And one of my first editors at the time um, was a woman who, I believe, had a stay-at-home husband, Um, But I think as each year goes by, um, more and more women are taking up senior roles in the industry and showing that they can do an amazing job and, I guess, in turn, inspiring the next generation. Um, But, yeah, we've come far from when journalism was a case of the boys meeting in the pub over a pint and... (laughs) the news that way yeah it's not quite um, it's not
0: quite mad men anymore is it
3: it's is not it's not <laughs> um yeah i mean the female journalists reporting from the front line in ukraine at the mm. moment um, are an amazing example of women flying the flag um for all female journalists you know like they've got bulletproof vests and hard hats mm and they're there just, you know, reporting the news. So, you know, keeping the country um, informed of what's going on. Um, Yeah. They're They're pretty badass.
0: They are pretty badass.
3: They they really are. (laughs) are.
0: (laughs) So in terms of workplaces, not just in journalism, what more needs to be done to, to combat gender disparity, do you think?
3: I think International Women's Day has highlighted that while the gender pay gap is closing, Um, it's still very much there and that does need to change. Um, We actually got a press release the other day from an organisation promoting the fact that um, they were taken steps to close the gender pay gap um, between men and women but um, what the release also highlighted was the fact that the gap was still very much there Mm. um, and really it it shouldn't be Um, it was smaller but it was still there Um, and that's not really good enough. Uh, male representation in the most senior roles in so many companies across the country Um, a lots of them maybe have just a token woman on the board of directors which kind of ticks the box but but yeah it just needs to go further than that Um, and I think more could be done to encourage girls Young girls to go into the more typically male-dominated industries, the sciences, engineering, um, and the trades as well—plumbers, electricians, and you know, bricklayers—that sort of thing. Um, We could really do with more taxi drivers in Lincoln, Um, and there are so many women who would do an amazing job at that sort of thing, but are maybe put off due to the safety aspect. Um, And that is another thing that needs to to sort of to change um, so that they do feel safe to do a job like like people out in Scunthorpe the other night doing a Reclaim the Night march, um, which kind of campaigns for um, an end to male violence against women. Um, They've been similar marches recently in Sleaford and Lincoln as well, um, which it, it is sad that it's come to this, but it is a step forward in the right direction, hopefully.
0: Yeah, it's necessary as well. You know, it really highlights the things that it's very easy to sweep under the rug if you're not, well, if you're not a woman, quite frankly. Yeah, know, it, it does, yeah. It does bring it to the forefront of the minds of everybody when they do do these marches. So they are, they are a good thing in terms of raising awareness in that respect, 100%. Yeah,
3: absolutely.
0: Yeah, Leanne Crawford, associate editor of The Lincolnite. Thank you ever so much for your time.
3: Thanks, Ronnie.
0: <laughs> the fact that Leanne missed out on a promotion because she had a baby is so crazy. Imagine being pushed back for having a kid. It's disgusting. This, this is not the 1950s. We should be well past that as a society. We should also be past the idea of actually, honey, uh, I'm gonna wait for another man to talk to. It's ridiculous. Ain't you got mothers? Remember who raised you? Also, confession time. I have never seen Mad Men. I have heard about Mad Men. I referenced Mad Men in that last interview. I was under the impression that Mad Men was about journalism. It has come to my attention that Mad Men is about advertising uh sorry about me what can i say is it lincolnshire word of the week time i think it might be lincolnshire word of the week time so as i said last week my editor gave me a book full of lincolnshire lingo phrases stories all of that good stuff and i've been flicking through it just here and there just there and there to find some of the strangest content which is it's proving a lot easier than i initially anticipated so last week we showcased the phrase kink cough kink off. Why did we do that? Because it was funny. This week's word, as great of a word as it is, it's more about the definition than the word itself. So let me explain. Your Lincolnshire word of the week today, friends, is Crouncy. Crouncy. C-R-O-U-N-C-Y. Crouncy. Now, the word sounds fairly innocent, maybe a bit archaic, but the definition of crowncy, according to this book, is really what sells it for me. So crowncy is defined as, word for word, frisky in a horse frisky in a horse. No commas, nothing to break that sentence up, give it a bit of a different meaning. Verbatim, frisky in a horse. And friends, as I always say, this is a safe space. So when it does come to being, quote, frisky in a horse, your answer should always be nay. (laughs) I love this show so much. I love this show so much. Ah, tremendous. So, before our last interview today, I'll give another shout out to last week's guest Bradley Wall and his page, Lincoln Friends of Ukraine. In terms of where to donate things, the situation is changing rapidly as buildings, homes, warehouses all across Lincoln, they're literally filling to the brim with generosity, quite frankly. The tsunami of kindness that Lincoln has given to this cause has been truly awe-inspiring to see. Uh, If you still do want to donate to the incredible cause, check their page out. That page again, Lincoln Friends of Ukraine on Facebook. Which brings us to this week's grand finale, per se. So, earlier this week, I was joined by none other than Lincolnshire's own Henry Camomile, lead singer of one of the UK's hottest bands right now, Seagulls. Their new album, Homesick, is coming on March 25th. I've heard it. It's absolutely fantastic. These fellas are for real. They're embarking on a European tour. At the end of the month, they're supporting the Arctic Monkeys in Zurich in August. UK headline tour in November, including Alexandra Palace. Ali Pali itself. Imagine, basically, they're blowing up. As always, I've said enough friends, Henry Camomile from Seagulls. So, Henry, upcoming album, Homesick. First track on the album, Hometown. Unbelievable tune, by the way. Your roots are in Lincolnshire. Tell me more about where those titles came from.
4: Those titles, well, yeah, I'm from a place just outside Grantham. Um, and those titles, like, you know, for lockdown, for the first like, hit hit the pandemic, I went, I came back to Lincolnshire um and it just like and I was kind of rooted there I was rooted you know in my hometown and in you know in English and it, I just felt very ground you know we've been traveling around constantly touring gigging and stuff for ages and then and then that all stopped and then then I came and then I came home and that was like you know wh- where I started writing and I had a reset I didn't intentionally call it homesick because of, we've been at home like writing it but like more homesick is about you know it's kind of it just means you belong somewhere so i wrote i write within the album it's about places i've grown up songs like hometown and stuff right but it's also about identity it's you know and, and belonging to someone there's also homesick that word is um the word homesick is like just made up of home and sick so it's like It's Light and Shade. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's how it hits my head. So and right throughout the album, it's got everything. It's got dark moments. It's got super positive moments. It's got it's got everything like packaged into a day. It's not kind of, you know, it's not crazy. It's just kind of normal life, really. And Mm. I think and the word homesick just it has like. It's got a bit of edge to it. It carries some weight. It, It carries the weight. The word just feels like it has weight. It carries the weight of the album and Hometown uh yeah i guess i just I, I wrote a song about um like someone i'd lost that i knew growing up and and i just wanted to dedicate something to them and also just just and and where i where i was growing up you know
0: mm. in terms of your growing up do, do you feel like you take aspects of your upbringing and your environment when you were younger in the things you do now
4: yeah um don't know man (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm really early in the morning even though it's not I just tell me about it (laughs) (laughs) yeah I guess so yeah I mean I always feel like there's somewhere called home to go back to do you know Mm. what I mean yeah Uh, I feel like I've got a safe place outside of if I'm living in London Mm. or you know I I I like it in that way that I'm not like that my now my like hustle and bustle and being all around like there's somewhere to come home to that is totally separate almost from work or not work you know yeah. what I mean like I feel yeah yeah so yeah just the fact that I can feel totally removed from the hustle and bustle of touring because you're always somewhere else and then you mm. go home so I think like was why I had such a great like mind reset to write the album because it mm. felt I felt totally fresh and sort of, uh, and grounded, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I always know there's somewhere I can feel grounded. Yeah.
0: Well, I was going to ask about the album as well. I've been listening to it all week. It's sensational. Absolutely love it. But with COVID and everything, what was the process like for putting
4: it together? Yeah. So writing was fine. You know, that was kind of, I could could write on my own or, you know, and when restrictions changed and stuff, we could Mm. like, meet up and, you know, but, um, Essentially, when we got to, it meant for the album, it meant that we could do it really fast, I think. And yeah. it feels like it's just really quick and we can, we can get it out quick as well. We'll start putting the songs out quick. But um, yeah, for putting the it together, like we could just be in the studio and then we'd have, we worked with someone in, with, well, with some producers in LA mm. and we'd normally you'd have to be out there and be with them but we'd track it yeah uh all in like this little rave cave in brixton <laughs> we, when we when we got to london and uh and then we'd send it over and then Jack knife would look at it and you know call back at like 2 a.m give notes on things you know mm. like really inconvenient times <laughs> when you don't we have phone calls because like, and like, so every bit of feedback just sounds like the worst thing in the world, you know? Hmm. Um, so it was very like nighttime vibes actually recording it. And I think that kind of shows in the sonics of the album. It's quite stark. It's a bit more yeah. nighttime, I think. There's some like open road feeling sounds to it and stuff. I can lonely, but yeah, it was just like, I think it was a really exciting, intense experience actually. Uh, for, the, for that time, because it was just... That was all like we lived, you know. That was all we lived. So, and when I got home, I'd just be watching films. So mm. most of the time, I wasn't like hanging with friends. I was just watching films or watching The Sopranos or something. Right. It was really yeah. surreal. Like all you, what I saw really was nighttime because the studio has no windows.
0: Yeah.
4: And uh, and and I didn't really know it was real as in like, I thought like things that were going on in The Sopranos was like kind of real life. So I was like bothered a bit more about stuff that was going <laughs> on like, in films, which, you know, seemed to be, which was almost as horrific as what was going on outside mm. anyway, in the news and stuff, you know, but I was, yeah, 100%. I was, uh, yeah it was kind of weird. I like, I was living my reality through that, but also just in writing this, the music, like there's, if I think writing the album, stuff like sick. There's just a bit more claustrophobia in the album, stuff like sick. But I think sick is just a great. I, you know, it's not like a lockdown song, but it's kind of like it's like a modern life song. If it yeah f-ing bites, if you fucking give into everything about modern life, mm. social media. Sorry, I'm swearing. It's, okay. it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> um, you know, if you just give into social media and just like constantly getting ads on your phone of stuff to buy just buying yeah. do you know what i mean like and then you're like what the hell yeah <laughs> i'm not like, doing this is mad i like
0: but that yeah. um i like that because you're worth it line in sick i'm a big fan of that
4: that was yeah that was a nice I, little chuckle yeah <laughs> yeah i was like I "Hope that's still is that still an advert and i was like
3: you're worth it."
4: yeah that's i remember funny. i showed that to a friend and they were like um Oh, you should say because you're worthless, and I was like, no, that's not the point. Because yeah, I was gonna say that's the whole point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's what that's what I'm suggesting, uh, or that you feel like. Yeah, I'm not gonna like. Yeah, that that is a great. I'm saying myself, but I just loved getting that line. It's a fun line. Yeah. It's a very fun line. What leads into it again? Because you're worth it. Buy this now. Yeah, yeah, buy this now because you're worth buy it. Because you're worth it. Yeah. You're having a real moment enjoying that line right now, aren't you? I love I'm that. enjoying it. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm enjoying that line. Yeah, let's go through all lines. <laughs> so yeah.
0: your touring schedule looks great. Seagulls look like they're taking over Europe this year. Uh, how does it feel to be playing to crowds again?
4: It feels awesome. Mm. You know. Uh it's a big thing to be able to like play like and actually like give a reason to have like fans and stuff, you know, because like it feels a bit f-ing, feels a bit crazy i need to I really <laughs> put my on. Ooh, sorry guys. it's early like, you got a long <laughs> day ahead i feel you <laughs> um yeah my mom actually hates it anyway um, <laughs> yeah it's genuinely it was just so good mm. you know because we kept in touch with our fans and stuff all throughout lockdown yeah we had like netflix parties and we did zooms and stuff just because like you know otherwise you know that's just what we're about yeah really and then it was just great to actually properly like put do something like what we're meant to do is like play you know write we write songs and like play them and it's just it's the best been the best thing and I'm still it I am still in that like grateful I feel super grateful for yeah for for being able to do it and there's a song called Lucky on the album actually that's Mm. like if that was me in another life, I wouldn't be on the stage tonight. I'm on fire tonight. However, like it's not about like, but it's like got that in it. Like that's full of gratitude and like I'm in the moment. I'm on fire, and that's kind of what it's felt like to get back to gigging and like it feels like real again. Because I was kind of worried. There's a stage. I was like, are they going to ban live music forever? Is this like the end? Of, do you a, know what I mean? A, like, yeah. Yeah. I, just, I just was like, what, 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 what's it going to be? Is society going to be like? not allowed to touch anymore you know like because it was so uncertain like you know you start being like well what if like it's the end of live music you know i i got to that i got like it was pretty despairing and it's difficult for people that work with us and stuff you know so um yeah super grateful to be back here and we got just to make we just you know got such a good year of it we've got such so many good festivals so many good gigs yeah two
0: dates that stood out to me in your schedule this year of course supporting the Arctic Monkeys at Zurich Open Air and headlining Alexandra Palace Ali Pali itself how are you feeling about those two shows
4: yeah I mean when I it was quite funny because when I found out about um Arctic Monkeys is a bit of a dream come true Mm. massive fan and so like we don't get many supports if I'm honest like we've always just done our own shows like I mean, Foles gave us the support, which was amazing, mm. um, and uh, which is quite, um, quite sort of poignant right now because we played Kiev in Russia on that tour, and uh, but like when we got um, when we got Arctic Monkeys, um, yeah, I was like, that's just great. Like mm. one of our that's a clearly a band like we look up to. Like one of my favourite gigs in the last few years was one of their gigs i was like it's just so it's just they're just so relevant like every album they put out i love it but yeah no that was great my 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 nephew who's like one and a half he was crying when i when i found out he was like crying in the kitchen i came through i was like don't cry don't cry because like i'm i'm supporting the arctic monkeys <laughs> and then my nephew said who the f*** the arctic monkeys now <laughs> he's one and a half <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <It's> like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that would that that's a like that put a smile on our faces for a mm. while, you know. And we're really looking forward to that. Um and then um and then um yeah, and Ali Pali, actually like the first like proper venue gig I actually went to, I went like kind of a trip with a friend to go, it was his older sister's birthday, and they'd all got tickets to see block party at the Ali Pali mm. for their first their second album block Party's second album tour so with flux and like hunting for witches and stuff and that was my first big live experience you know That's And one hell of a, by a show the to
0: start with my first band i ever saw was bowling for soup and so you've beaten me there
4: bowling for soup are cr- <laughs> crazy. <laughs> <laughs> like apparently like like you wouldn't be able to like <laughs> apparently they're just crazy live yeah i don't know about two like, different worlds henry i tell you <laughs> yeah it's like but yeah no it was scary like going to see block party first gig i think i was 14 mm-hmm. it was like so big at alipali i loved it. it was scary it had that energy i love crowd when there's energy and they're like back you and that's what our crowds are like you know they've got our back from the start and there's this it's like it's pretty electric um i have to ask looking down
0: did. the touring schedule Where's the Lincoln show, Henry? What
4: are you doing? Where are we? Where's the Lincoln Come show? Come on! You're going to have to literally. I leave everything up to my. Well, not everything up. We leave everything up to our. Um, it's just what our, what our agents <laughs> can get in. Do you know what I mean? Like I always want. Well, I we still haven't played Lincoln. I want to. I want to play Lincoln. I'm sure we will. You know. Mm. I mean, it would be a crime not to at this point, genuinely. Yeah, but it's just like them planning routes and like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like it's out of our hands. You need to the give me your agent's details. Got, I'll slide into his DMs. So we'll make it happen. Not, yeah, the closest we've got is Nottingham Rock City, I think, I've met on our main tour. Um, yeah, I mean, it is a crime. It is a crime, man. Yeah, it's, it is a crime. Get over it, it you know? It. Yeah, yeah. Final question from
0: myself, my friend. In five years' time where does henry Camomel want to be in his life
4: uh i want to be in seagulls like, on top of their form really i think i just think like if we keep going with our same mindset and just keep pushing them we're going to just like i think just keep doing something be- something quite beautiful mm. um yeah just f-ing nailing it exactly the same place <laughs> like i just like but you know, we—I t- just got—I think five years. We've been doing this for six years, mm. and it—it it just feels like the momentum's kicking off. You know, It's um, a wonderfully
0: contented answer. That in five years' time, y- your answer to that is keep on
4: keeping on. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I feel. I think we're loving it. You mm. know, and and we'll just see what what happens. Just keep doing this music. But I just want to—I just want to make sure I've still got. I've always got another album to put out. You know. we're always going to be doing it but like yeah i think we're having a great time now i mean we're having a sick time is this as good as things could be right now it can always be better i'm sure (laughs) it can always be better but i think it's as good as things ever have been do you know what i mean like i think we feel great we're amazing fans like in the moment you know Mm. and it's pretty special I, i feel like we're in a special place yeah,
0: fantastic. Well, Seagull's second album, Homesick, coming out March twenty fifth. Henry, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Anything you want to? Anything you want to finish on Lincolnite Podcast episode
4: two? Anything you want to say? I think, like you know, peace, peace out. <laughs> anything on peace, I wanna peace say. is probably a good message uh, right now. I just want
3: to say,
4: yeah, I just want to say hi to my granny and Lincoln, uh, and that is all. I think, <laughs> yeah. I'll then that's hi. us Henry, happy days. And sorry, <laughs> granny, I'm sorry I swore as well. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Henry, it's been a pleasure, my friend. Thank you ever so much.
4: All right. Awesome. awesome. Cheers.
0: Take care, my friend. All
4: right. I'll see you then. See
0: you Henry Camomile of Seagulls there. New album, Homesick, coming out March 25th. Available for pre-order or pre-saving now. That wraps up this week's show, friends. Massive thank you to Lydia Sanders, to Emily Norton and Leanne Crawford, and of course, to Henry Camomile of Seagulls. If you're enjoying the Lincolnite podcast, be sure to tell everybody you know about the Lincolnite podcast. I'm talking your family, your friends, their family and friends, people in the street, all of your swipe rights. Share it on your Facebook, your Twitter, your Snapchat, whatever it is. Let them know that we have arrived and we are not going anywhere. That's another week behind you, folks. Whatever you're doing this weekend, enjoy it. Make the most of it. If you're working, don't let them get you down. Let's keep those heads high, those smiles wide, and we'll see you same place, same time next week. Take care.